follow along, you will be able to because we're going to place it on the screen as it is right now. I'm okay? She gave me the okay. So once again, our message for this morning is on Reflections on Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 through 18, St. Paul's closing remarks. Now, I hope you're going to forgive me for what I'm about to say, but as I was thinking over this message for quite a few days, I feel that the Holy Spirit led me to say what I'm about to say before I begin this message, capitalizing on the word St. Paul's closing remarks. Can you say closing remarks for me? Come on. I expect for you to speak up this morning. I expect for you to say amen if, it's, if, it, if it confirms the word of God. If it doesn't, then don't say anything. Can I get a witness? Amen. I'm going to say this again to keep myself slowed down. I know I'm repeating myself, so here goes with my abstract remarks, which I feel the Lord laid on my heart before I begin this message. His closing remarks. I have written, that's right, I have written because I have already completed the message. So I have had written the following. Someday, ladies and gentlemen, you and I are, are going to have some closing remarks. What are you talking about, Brother Bruce? Someday, we're going to say Salonawa to this world. Someday, we're either going to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Amen. Or someday, and I don't like to say this, and I don't revel in saying this, but Jesus said it this way. Depart from me. I never knew you. Can I get a witness? Which side of that ledger are you going to be on? Is he going to say, depart from me? I never knew you. I never had any acquaintance with you. Or is he going to say, today, this day, that you depart from this world, you're going to be with me forever. Can I get another witness? You heard a song up there. It said, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And this is not in your notes either. Do you have that blessed assurance in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul, that the moment... You depart from this world, you're going to be with Jesus. Amen. That's all I can say. I think that the Lord laid that on my heart to say it, and I said it. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? That's what you're supposed to do. When the Lord lays something on your heart, go ahead and say it. Can I get a witness? Don't be shy. Don't be reticent. Don't hold back. Say with the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Right. Yeah. One number two, starting with Epaphras. I had to look up these names. I saw they were pronounced several ways. So I'm, I might indeed pronounce them the way that had occurred in seven different commentators. Beginning with verse 12, Aphras, you see it on the screen, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greeting, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers. I got a lot to say about that later on. That you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him, he's talking about Aphras, that he has a deep concern for you. 
And for those who are in Laodicea, that's a church mentioned in Revelation. And it's difficult for me to pronounce this word, so bear witness with me. You can see it on the screen. He or Apollos. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings as Demas. That's something to say for him. Number three, greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Mintha and the churches that are in her house. Do you realize back in that time they didn't have a church and that didn't occur until about the third century? They had house churches. When this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Say to Archippus, there it is again, Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. And last verse, verse 18, I, Paul, Write this greeting with my own hand. I want you to realize something. Paul's hands or wrists were tied to a guard. I'll say more about that later. Remember my imprisonment. Why was Paul in prison? Because he was spreading what they would call heresy. But Paul was faithfully preaching the word of God. Grace, there's my key word, be with you. Do you get that, ladies and gentlemen? Here's a man in prison. I'm going to ask you a sober question. It's really not a question at all. Tied to that Roman guard, I'm sure that guard heard the word of the gospel. Amen? Amen? Who are you around? Who are you around? Maybe you're not chained to them, but you're around them enough to say something about the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right. Paul said it this way, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, both to the Jew and to the Gentile. Right. Number four. Now back to verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of your members, a bond slave or a servant, a slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greeting, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. And I have it down there again. Ephesus. More on this gentleman. Who this Ephesus was, we cannot tell. Only is likely that he was a Colossian and became by the call and grace of God or Christ a deacon or pastor of this church, faithfully laboring with the apostle to promote its best interest. Some think that he was the first who preached the gospel among his people, that is, the Laodiceans. He was raised up among themselves to be their minister in the absence of the apostle Paul, and he showed himself to be worthy of his calling. I need to stop right there. Worthy of his calling. Say, can you say worthy of his calling? Say it. I'm not picking on anybody. I should be picking on myself. Are you and I worthy of God's call in your life? Preach it, brother. Are we worthy of the calling? But this part I like. He makes us worthy. He enables us to do what he wants to do for our individual lives. Showed himself worthy to be of his calling by the faithful discharge of his ministry and by laboring fervently for them all and pressing them forward that they might stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. 
I know I'm going to repeat myself, so I might as well do it, do it right now. Complete in all the will of God. As a Christian, brothers and sisters, do you know what the will of God is for your life? Are you aligned up in his will? Do you know what he wants you to do? Can I get a witness? And if you don't know, you can ask him. I don't care if I'm in a wheelchair or if I can stand upright. God has a purpose for your life and mine. Number six. Epaphras was, was with Paul doing a part of Paul's first Roman imprisonment. He was converted to Christianity. Well, what about that? Back in the pagan time, the gospel was so strong that this person named Epaphras was converted to Christianity out of paganism. Why did you bring that up, Brother Bruce? I know I've got more to say here. I don't care. I shouldn't say it this way, but I have no other way of saying it. I don't care where you are, where you come from. When God calls you, you can answer. Right. Through the ministry of Paul, Paul testified he worked hard for you and for the those in Laodicea and Heropolis. Epaphras had brought Paul the good news of the progress of the gospel among the Colossians and their faith in Christ Jesus. I have that underlined here. It's not underlined there, but it's underlined here. Of their faith in Christ Jesus and of the love toward all the saints. I want you to catch something right now. Say saints. saints. Don't you let anybody tell you that anyone who was born again is not a saint in Christ, whether you're a new Christian or whether you're a mature Christian. God considers every born-again Christian as a saint. There is no classification, a saint here, and then lay out a seat, whoever you are, you're under them. All members of the body of Christ are saints. Paul's regard for him shown, is shown by his designating him our beloved fellow servant, a faithful minister of Christ, and a slave of Jesus Christ. G getting back to of our faith in Christ. What are you talking about? Of our faith in Christ. Well, let me turn to a passage I've already underlined. It's found in Isaiah chapter 53. And here it is. Surely, 53.4, surely has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we account in him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. Did you get that? The only begotten son of the father was struck down or as the King James says, smitten of God. Well, why did he do that? Here's why he did it. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Notice he says, for our iniquities, he who knew no sin became sin for Brother Bruce. He who knew no sin became sin for you and me. He didn't have any sin, but he was crushed. For our, our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment. Did you get that? Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises we are healed. All. Can you say all? I'm going to complete the sentence before I go on. 
all we like sheep have gone astray. Well, Brother Bruce, I'm a good person. I give money to the church, and I don't talk about anybody, and I don't curse, and I don't drink. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him. What do you mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. The word Lord is in capital letters, which means Yahweh. Yahweh has laid on his son, now here's the next part, the iniquity of us all. I hope you get it. That's why I'm trying to go slow. God the Father laid on his son every jot and every jot of your sins and mine. Can I get an amen? amen? And that's why, and this is not in your notes, that's why he can say, it is finished. Hallelujah. What a Savior. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift, that's why it's a gift, because he already paid it in full. Can I get an amen? What did I say was underlined? Their faith in Christ. Why should you put your faith in Christ? I just gave you the reason, because he paid the price in full. I'm going to make it easy for myself. It was a hefty price. That's why you heard in that song, on a hill far away, stood the old rugged cross. And one of the thieves said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Number seven, Kenneth Roost. One of Roost's words from Roost's study Bible says this about Epiphras. This title, which Paul uses several times of himself, is found nowhere else of any other individual except once in Timothy. You can look this up. Probably points to the exceptional services on the part of Epiphras. Let me read that last part again. Probably points to the exceptional services on the part of Epaphras. And I think you're going to like the next number eight. How about you and me? This is just my opinion, but I think it's worthy of note. In my opinion, there are some exceptional service people right here in this church today. Can I get an amen? I think you, they deserve another hand close. Come on, let's give them a hand. I do, I do not want to point them out because I probably would forget somebody. And I don't want to do that. But there's another kind of exceptional people. For God so loved the world that he gave. You didn't earn it. He gave the I'm going to put it this way. The son that had a face-to-face -face relationship throughout eternity. And I'm going to use the words of Isaiah. Here am I. Send me. Knowing what he was going to go through and what he endured, he said, if I can paraphrase what Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Number nine, more on this calling by a faithful discharge of his ministry. He was raised up among themselves to be their minister in the absence of the apostle. 
and he showed himself to be worthy of this calling by a faithful discharge of his ministry and by laboring. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't think there's anything besides just getting saved, there's plenty of work for us to do. Can I get an amen? Instead of sitting on your laws and saying, well, I'm saved, that's all I got to do. Well, I know that's true of your salvation. But after you get saved, the Holy Spirit engenders you and me to start working. And pressing them forward that they might stand perfect and plead in all the will of God. Number 10, Epaphras, laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, laboring earnestly. It comes from a, a word, agonizomai, which we, which we get our word agony. Laboring earnestly, agonizing for you in his prayers. The word denotes the intense desire which he had for their salvation. His fervent, earnest pleading for their welfare. Question below, do you and I have an intense desire for people to get saved? We have a prayer list we go over every Monday. You are certainly invited. We also have a Bible study. But I'm asking myself, I'm, not, I'm going to ask you too, did you ever agonize over a lost loved one to get saved or someone who you don't even know? Agony. And in the book of Revelation, that word agonizomai, not in the same form, but is used for physical pain. This person, Epaphras, can't hardly say that word. He was in such agony, such maybe even physical pain for people to get saved and to grow in Christ. I'm going to say this again, and I said it before. If you are a Christian and you don't know anything more than you lose, let me slow down. New last year, maybe you're not growing. Maybe there's a physical reason. I don't know. I can't. I don't know. But we ought to be growing. Epaphras did. He longed for, he agonized over them. He called their names out. You're the only one, and I'm glad I'm not, I'm not here to be judgmental. You're the only one who knows whether you're growing in Christ or not. Can I get an amen? But I can say this. This is just sure barometer. If you're not into the Word of God, if you're not studying, if the, if the Bible sits on the table in your house until the next week, there's no way, and I can say this without being critical, there's no way for you to grow. Put it this way. Thank you, brother. I'm going to be an interrogating question. I dare you to eat one meal for a week, every week. Can't do it, unless you're fasting. The same thing is with the spiritual food. We need to feed upon the word of the Lord. Number 12. I said a lot about Epaphras. I got more to say. He was a minister who worked hard for his own church and for all the churches surrounding him. That's right, the Laodicea church and the Heriopolis. He prayed and prayed much, but he was also worked much, so much that his labor was even testimony, a testimony to the great minister Paul. But I got another man, and here's what he said. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. This is talking to you and me. Don't say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift 
up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. There's many people that you and I pass every day, and I'm not saying you should witness to everybody. I, I don't. I, sometimes I'm reluctant to witness. Sometimes I feel I'm going to be rejected. Yes, those things occur to me. Absolutely. I was up in Reading two days ago, Reading, Pennsylvania, getting out of my car. I was up there to help my son uh, in his house. And I just happened to, uh, this man, this gentleman happened to walk by. And I had a tract and I looked at it and I said, here's something for you to read. Do you know him? And I was so glad. He, he, this is what he said. I do know him. Can I get an amen? amen. Sometimes you witness to someone who already is saved. Right. At least that's what he said. I said, do you know him? Let me ask you and I a question. Do you know him? Let me put it this way. Adam knew Eve. It was an intimate relationship. It was not just a head. It was a heart. Do you know him personally? Do you know him up front? Do you know him? Who's the him? The eternal, do I go again, the eternal son of God. Do you know him? Do you have an intimate relationship with him? Do you talk to him? Does he talk to you? I'm not necessarily a, verb, a verbal, no, I'm not saying that. But does he speak to you through the still small voice of the Holy Spirit? He'll do that. He wants to have fellowship with you and me. I got a note here, a written note, Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. I'm not going to go over it again. All I can say is my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. What was it? We read Isaiah 53, 1 and 6. But here's another note. I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 1, verses Three. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. I'm almost there. I didn't have this one marked. <clears throat> oh my goodness. One more. I better read the first three verses so you can get, get the connection. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he, also he created the world. Did you get that? Let me read it again. Through whom also he created the world. Jesus is the creator. He's not a create. The son of God is not a creation. He's the creator. Can I get an amen? But this is what he did. This is who he is. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by the word of his power. Let me read that again. He is the reflection of God's glory. Well, when is that? I'll tell you when that was. He's only a reflection when he came in the form of a human being. But not only is he that, he's the exact imprint of God's very being, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. The whole entire universe, I know I said it before, would fall apart if the Son of God didn't say, I'm holding you up. I probably said that in the wrong, but I think you get it. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. Now, here's what I mean. When he had made, pur let me slow down. When he made purification for sins. Who sins? Yours and mine. He sat down. I'm going to say this again. I don't know a lot of history, and I'm not trying to pretend. But I know this much. There was no seat when the priest went in, but this man, can you say this man? But this man, 
after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Can I get an amen? He made purification for your sins and mine. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Number 14. More working scripture. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. Matthew 18, 11. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Without being critical, you're either saved or you're lost. There's no in-between. You're either saved or you're lost. Number 15. Don't you know, this refers to working fervently. Have you not known that those running in a race all indeed run, but one does receives the prize? So run that you may obtain, and everyone who is striving is in all things temperate, that is, self-control. These, indeed, then, that a corruptible crown they may receive, but we an incorruptible crown. Let, let me make it short. I'm going to say it again. Don't you know that God wants to say to every born-again Christian, well done, and he wants to give you a crown? He has something. You don't labor in vain, whether it seems like it or not. It's not in vain. Sixteen. For which also I labor, striving according to his working that is working in me. Well, I can do it on my own. According to many scriptures, this is just one. For which also I labor, striving according to the working that is working in me. There's somebody, that's right, it's not an energy. There is someone working within every born-again Christian. His name is the Holy Spirit. 17. Work it out. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. I'm going to say this again in case you didn't get, get it. Work out. It didn't say work for. It said work it out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work. Wait a minute. Did you get that? For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Right. I'm going to say it again in case you don't get it. Please, don't let anyone teach you that you can earn your salvation. Right. It is Totally a gift. Why do I say that? Because there are so many denominations that teach that if you're a good guy, if you're a good lady, if you do all that you know, if you do your best, then that's all God wants. That is baloney. And it's not the gospel. It's a false gospel. It's to placate your consciousness. Number 18. Epiphras prays that you may stand perfect and fully assured. This is from Adam Clark's commentary. That you may stand firm, perfectly instructed. I got that underlined before I go on. Perfectly instructed. Can you say perfectly instructed? Please say it. We all, it doesn't matter who you are in Christ, we all need to be taught. Right. 
Let me give you one reason why. This is from a commentary. No, this is from a Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was divine. The Word is more than divine. Angels are divine, but Jesus Christ is God the Son. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was facing God, and the Word was a God. Jesus Christ is not a God. He created everything. You and I need to be taught to defend the faith once delivered unto the saints. And fully persuaded of the truth of those doctrines which have been taught you as revealed will of God. The desire was that they might maintain their Christian principles and unadulterated by the nature of philosophy and error. And completely perform the will of God in every respect. Standing perfect, number 19. That they may stand perfect, or better, that they might stand perfect and complete, fully assured in all the will of God. I'm going to stop for a second. Do you know there are people, maybe some right here, who don't believe that this is the word of God. It was just written by men. I'm not going to go into it. But there are people who don't believe that this was written by God the Holy Spirit who spoke through prophets and so on to write the verbally inspired word of God. To them, it's just another book. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe the 66 canonical books are the word of God. Can I get an amen? If you don't, maybe someday you will. It is the desire and prayer, the care and endeavor of every faithful minister of Christ that his people may stand fast in the obedience, in the universal obedience, in perfect and complete obedience to the will, the whole will of God in all things. Yet one more, yet one thing more is observable in Epaphras. He had not only a great zeal for his own people. There I go again. Can you say the word zeal? Jesus said, thy zeal have eaten me up. Let me apply that to you and me. Do you, do you, I, I want to say this in the right way. I don't want to confuse you and me. Do you get a zeal out of reading the word of God, such as, oh, look at this. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Look at this. Did you see that before? Do you have a certain appetite for the word of God? It's not just another book. It is the book. Right. It just not does contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Right. And if you experience Jesus in the, this book, you'll know that I am telling you the truth. Right. He had not only a great zeal for the, his own people. What do you mean by that? He lifted them up in prayer. I got more to say about that, but I'll stop right there. But for them at Laodicea and Heropolis, which were neighboring churches. I can't, I can't see that time over there. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Thank you, brother. This is such a persuasion as the this is such a persuasion as the Spirit of God by means of the gospel gives to every sincere and faithful man. What are you talking about? That this is the Word of God. And from which arises the solid happiness of the genuine Christian. They who argue against it prove at least that they do not have not got it. Well, let me summarize that. When you get into the Word of God, you begin to realize the awesome truths in the Word of God. How do you do that? Through your intellect? No, through the Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit. Fully persuaded that they might stand perfect or fully assured, fully persuaded in, at the will of God. How about you and me? In the same way, are you and I fully persuaded about the truths of God's word? Sometimes these pages get a little bit sticky. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we wish, even your perfection. Don't you know every sincere minister, every sincere person in the word of God wants you and I to grow? I won't dwell on that because I already have said enough. Colossians 4, 14, number 23. Luke, the beloved physician and demons, greet you. Luke, the beloved physician and demons, greet you. Luke, the author of the third gospel, that's right, and the Acts of the Apostles, Demas, look what happened. Most likely the same one who afterward forsook Paul. You want to know who your friends are? When they see you going through thick and thin and they still stand by you. That's a true friend. This man, Demas, How commendable he was, but when it get when it got real rough, he forsook him. And you know what? I'm going to make so you don't think I'm picking on anybody. You and I are capable of that. Can I get a witness? You want your strength tested? Let one of your friends. Go through some stuff. Are you going to stand by them or are you going to abandon them? And I'm going to add this so you don't think I'm being too sarcastic. Sometimes the Lord wants you to leave them alone. Why is that, Brother Bruce? Because you and I need to learn a lesson. Practice of medicine, highly developed. The practice of medicine was highly developed among the Greeks, Greek doctors being in attendance at the royal courts in the Roman Empire. Luke was the personal physician of Paul. These words, the beloved one, breathe with Paul's gratitude for his services. Let me stop right there. Say the word gratitude. I am so grateful for those who pray for others in this church and out of this church. I'm so grateful. Breathe with Paul's gratitude for his services. Without Luke's help as a physician, as a companion and friend, Paul could never have carried his heavy load in the Christian ministry. We all need someone I'm going to use those words that I heard from a secular song. Lean on me. Can I get a witness? You need someone who you can depend on. You need someone who you can pray with. You need someone who you can talk to. You need someone who can spend time in prayer with you. Pour out your heart to without them going and spreading it to everyone else. Number 25. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Nympha and the church that is in her house. Now, I know some commentaries say it was him, so I don't know which it is, but I'll just go on. I want you to know that. Some say this Nympha was a lady, and some say Nympha was a man who was converted. When this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of Laodicea and so on. Number 26. This person... Evidence suggests Nympha was a woman, and her whole family, which probably was very numerous, appear to have received the gospel. And it seems that for their benefit and, and that of her neighbors, she had opened her house for the worship of God. 
In those primitive times, there were no consecrated places, for it was supposed that the simple setting apart of any place for the worship of God was a sufficient consecration. Consecration. I'm going to let you mull over that for a minute. I'm going to read the last part. In those primitive times, there were no consecrated places, for it was supposed that the simple setting apart of any place for the worship of God Let me add to that. You know you can worship God anywhere. You don't have to be in a church. You don't have to be in some sacred place. You just need to cry out, Oh, Lord, I love you. Oh, Lord, I adore you. Oh, Lord, I know what you did for me for the dying of your son on the cross. I consecrate you. When I say consecrate, I mean setting apart. I love you for what you've done. And this is the great part about it. He hears you. No matter where you're at, he hears you. Verse 17. Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. That goes for you and me. Listen again. Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. It is supposed by some that the apostle in these words directed the Colossians to rebuke him, maybe so, maybe not, for some negligence in the performance of his duties. Others are of the opinion that the apostle meant that the Colossians to encourage. I'd love somebody to encourage me. There's some people right in this congregation, they love to encourage others. They just love it. That's, that's part of their ministry. Because the false teachers at Colossus were active in spreading errors. Let me ask you a question, and I'm not going to dwell on it. Do you know error when you hear it? Are you familiar with the Word of God enough to know, uh, that doesn't quite sound right. Let me go check that out. Can I get an amen? amen. 28. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hands. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. Colossians 4.18.29. Paul's right hand was changed to the left hand of a soldier who kept him. How do you like to be tied to a soldier night and day, 24-7? Once again, Paul reminds them where he is in prison, awaiting trial, and he wants them to pray for him, which is what remember really means. I, I'm going to take this time and hang it up. When I say hang it up, I don't know if you're getting tired or not. Can I get an amen? To remember in prayer. Now, this is, you, you've got to get this part, even if I have to shut this down. To remember in prayer, putting him on a prayer list. It is not as if they mean putting him on a, just on a prayer list. Remember in full the Old Testament use sense of prayer. What are you talking about, Pastor? The word remember does not simply mean the ability to recall. As forgetting does not simply mean to inability to recall. It means the decision to recall or bear in mind. Often used in the Old Testament for concerning the needs or desires of people with favor and kindness. Well, what do you mean by that? Here's one example. I'm almost done. This is Hannah. She's bearing of children. Oh, Lord, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give you maidservants a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. I'm going to look at the next one and see if I should go on. I have a feeling I should stop. This is my last one. Paul's prayer habit is more than mental remembering, as if those folks flash by his mind. Oh, I just happened to think about this brother or sister. I'm going to pray for him. No, he had more than that mind. While Paul's prayer habit is to lift up his friends. How about you and me? Do you, do you have a list 
where the word remember me, lift them up in prayer. You want to see them saved. You want to see them come to the Lord. I hope you don't think I'm getting too personal. Mrs. Carter, that's my wife and I, were talking yesterday about some really rich people. And I'm not condemning rich people, no. Christians, some rich Christians. And I brought up this scripture. What does it profit a man if you gain the whole world and lose your soul, if you go out of this place, if you die without Christ, what does it profit you if you have all the money in the world and you go out into eternity without the living Christ? I'll end by saying this. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the lily of the valley, the bright in the morning star. Somebody said it, the fairest among 10,000, the lily of the valley. Do you know him? Paul knows. The Colossian church was lifted up to know this great and almighty, that's right, almighty Savior. And they were growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask yourself, am I the same as I was last year, a year ago? Have I grown in Jesus Christ? Just like my body grows, am I growing? I thank you for your attention.